I think the thing, you know, to not waste people's time in this room and, and try to bring some value, which is important, here are the three things that I think everybody should be thinking about. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 40th National Sports Collectors Convention. Thank you all for coming and being our VIPs. You are definitely doing the show the right way. I'm going to be very brief and let JC Coots introduce our distinguished guests here. Uh, my name is Jason Coots. I run a business called Otia Sports. Basically, my job here is to keep Gary from talking the whole time. Give Josh a chance. So, Solid I guess point. we'll let Gary let Josh, let Josh start. I get to start specifically for that reason. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, this came together uh, super organically, um, really because both Gary and I, uh, who are both entrepreneurs at Andrews, we both started our career in trading cards. Literally, the first time that I ever met Gary. I don't know, about five, six years ago now, it was in one of these like, tiny little New York counter restaurants in New York. We were this close, and, and he is just as, as intense one-on-one as he is alive. And, uh, and literally the first thing that he ever said to me was, he goes, you're about my age, trading cards are candy. And I was like, oh, both, actually. And so for you know a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, having gotten started at cards, and then that carries through all the other things that, that we're doing now, including you know what, what StockX is. But, um, I thought that's a, before we go into StockX and, and my part of that. Uh, hey everybody, I'm Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, first of all, I'm, a, I'm just unbelievably humbled to be here. Uh, I'm an immigrant that was born in the Soviet Union. I grew up in New Jersey, very lemonade stands, very much sports cards. You know, for a lot of us of a certain age here, 87 tops was like a rite of passage. It was like the crescendo moment. Um, it was like, it just, you know, the sixth grade baseball card club in Edison, New Jersey changed the course of my life. I got very into this world and basically I'm one of the great all-time terrible students because I spent 99% of my time between the ages of 10 and 16 reading Beckett and Tough Stuff and trying to buy cards. I grew up from such humble beginnings and that I was never able to afford to come to this convention as a kid and would always read about it and dream about it. So this is a, a substantially surreal moment for me. I'm super excited to be here. I, uh, I, I built my dad's liquor store in Springfield, New Jersey into the, one of the first e-commerce wine businesses and that's kind of where I made my start uh, by launching winelibrary.com in 1996. Uh, my career took a huge turn in 2006 where when I took kind of my passions of cards and collecting wine into believing that social media was gonna be a big thing so I was an early investor in things like Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr which you know obviously changed the course of my career and will allow me to buy far more expensive cards on the show today than I could in the past. Uh, But I'm super excited to be here. Over the last 24 to 26 months I've been spending quite a bit of my 11 p.m.s to two in the morning studying and paying attention and talking to friends like Ryan here and others about where this is going and it's, 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 it's really, really exciting. Uh, I think there's a, a lot of trends that I don't see the forums or Twitter talking about yet that from my perspective are, are looming and so uh, I'm happy to be here and thank you for allowing me to be here. Josh? <coughs> Jason's doing a great job. <laughs> um, so some of you may know StockX is uh, now the largest marketplace in the world 
for sneakers and streetwear, and we also sell watches and handbags and collectible toys. Um, and it's an evolution of eBay, uh, but it's an actual stock market where the true value of any asset that we sell, sneakers, streetwear, you have a, a true value. It is, it is a, a price guide, but a marketplace that is built on true value, and there may not be a better asset for this marketplace than trading cards, which are true assets. And so we started this in sneakers uh, four years ago. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty big, it works really well. Um, but for me personally, I've collected cards before sneakers. And so we always looked at cards as a possible uh, entry point to, to go into this. And, um, and honestly, a lot of this started um, in full transparency uh, last Thanksgiving. So I lived in Detroit, and uh, my family lived in Philadelphia, and I drove home for Thanksgiving with my two kids, and I took my minivan home, and for the first time in, since I left home in 1995, my mother said, oh, you drove home? You can now take all your cards out of my basement and take them with <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of you guys have a very similar story or position of where all your cards are. And, and we've always looked at cards at StockX, but that really started us going down that path in Thanksgiving. The fact, the fact that we're now slowly going to, to roll out uh, trading cards on stock X. Uh, so. so with that, like Gary, what do you think, like this is about the future of cards, like what do you think of StockX? Like, what do you think about the future? I hate StockX um, <laughs> because when I met Josh in that diner, the reason I said to him sports cards are candy, usually when I can taste a real entrepreneur in the first minute, that will be the question because what I learned in my investing career was I made a lot of money when I invested in kids that sold sports cards or lemonade or candy or ripped music on CDs and sold it or got early eBay. Just hustlers, uh, guys and gals that hustled and I lost a lot of money with people that went to Harvard and MBAs and I just knew what he was. So the reason I hate StockX is StockX came four years ago, right at the time where I just finished a $25 million fund that I was investing in, I'd been a little bit burned out uh, investing. I was getting very excited about VaynerMedia, my marketing company. I just wasn't investing, but I I so believed in him. And then I had dinner with Dan Gilbert, who uh, owns the Cavs and is Josh's partner, and he was trying to convince me. Besides passing on Uber twice at the angel round level, passing on StockX hurts the most, not because there's been other things, I mean, I passed on Airbnb and would have made a trillion dollars. There's been things I passed on. It's that I just liked Josh the most and I didn't invest and now StockX just got a billion dollar valuation in its latest, fun. is that public? I hope, thank God, okay. Um, uh, 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 and you know, so I personally hate StockX. How it does in the sports card world, I'm confident in his execution. I think. The thing, you know, to not waste people's time in this room and, and try to bring some value, which is important, here are the three things that I think everybody should be thinking about. Number one, the generation that was most affected by the junk wax era, which completely correlates with the highest demand cycle, forget about how much supply the card companies made, that kid is now a mother and a, a, a father of kids that are now seven, eight, nine, ten years old. So. I, I grew up studying the toy industry very heavily. If you watch the timing, G.I. Joe, Transformers, My Little Pony, Strawberry Shortcake, when they always reboot successfully is when 
the prime of the kid is now a parent of a kid that age. I believe that that's exactly what's happening in the sports card world and we're gonna start seeing that impact and it's already happened. That is completely the reason because of my little guy why I even started the process 24 months ago of like what's going on in this world that I loved so much? That's number one. Number two, sneakers. I'm completely convinced that this generation of 12, 13, 14, 17 year old sneaker flippers have done extremely well over the last three, four years, hence why StockX became so big and other things. I'm sure people are aware of that. The problem for many of them is they can't get enough supply. They're right about Off-White, they're right about Yeezys, they're right, they just can't get enough supply. For me, if I'm right about De'Aaron Fox, like I think I'm going to be, I can buy up an enormous amount like I am right now because I think he's a superstar player and I'm gonna be able to really capitalize financially if my bet is right. Number three, gambling culture in America. Gambling culture has exploded. You look at what, you know, the casual 17, 18, 22 year old, 21 and above, whatever the legalities are, but like, is gambling heavily daily fantasy, all those other things. When you think about, you know, if I pulled a Frank Thomas 90 leaf in my prime, I would have lost my fucking mind and that was a $40 card, right? To think about the fact that you can pull one of ones that are like, I mean, it's just crazy for me to re-enter a world. So the level of gambling that the sports card companies have created with you know, fabricated scarcity and then demand on the other side, that's a trend that's happening in our society overall that's gonna populate. I think those three things are something that everybody has to understand from a business standpoint is gonna have a huge impact, not to mention the rise of soccer, you know, the, the rise of other, you know, mixed martial arts and fighting. There's just categories of cards. So I think the demand side of this industry is exponentially growing. And I think that there's a lot of trends outside of our industry, like the three I mentioned. And, I, and, and very frankly, my big last final bet has a lot to do, and I had no idea that Josh or StockX were going that route, but the big bet for me was, two years ago was, I have a weird feeling that sports cards are gonna get cool. You know, and I think you have to look for that. You know, my marketing company's behind the brand Fila, and some of its marketing in two, three years ago, it wasn't cool, and now it is. Understanding how to make things cool, and understanding how cool happens, if enough rappers and athletes start putting up photos in their social of their collections or the things they care about, if, if God forbid, and that's my slang term for hopefully for anybody here who is passionate about the business side, obviously if you're a collector and only a collector, prices going up is, are not great, uh, but I, I have a feeling if the cool thing happens, and the StockX thing really hit me hard, because StockX is so positioned cool compared to let's say an eBay, if that final domino comes, I think everybody will be stunned by the makeup of the attendees in Atlantic City next year, and so that's something I'm spending a lot of time thinking about. Making money is cool. Making money is cool, right? And yes. you're part of this by, by talking about it, going out there and talking about the money you guys have been making. I mean, even on the podcast you guys did a week or two ago, where you not only talked about big bets that you won, but big bets that you lost, and people to show that, that it's, it's educational to do that. Um, you know, just walking around the last two days um, here, as everyone's been setting up, I probably saw a half a dozen of our like top sneaker sellers that are out there uh, buying and selling cards because, like, that's the part of this. Making money has never not been cool. Um, <laughs> and for, for them to see more opportunities, 
Every other industry has been trying to copy sneakers in the last five years with regard to creating scarcity, creating artificial scarcity around those product releases that happen, whether it's, it's streetwear or, uh, or watches or handbags or, you know, when you have guys like uh, Virgil Abloh who's designing those that Louis Vuitton. But in all those scenarios, there's this artificial constraint around retail price that still has to happen as those brands release those products into the market. And this is the only market that has true market pricing from day one. There is no retail price for, for a single car, right? I mean, there's, there's wax, but that idea is like, it's such a core part of like why I think that the growth here ends up becoming just exponential beyond those other markets that are artificially trying to create what sneakers did and what already exists here. Yep. And, you know, and then what ends up happening is as more global attention comes, you know, more attention comes to the other aspects of the industry, right? Obviously, you know, the elephant in the room during this conference is going to be the grading, you know, and the trimming and the, all these things. And I'm sure it's on plenty of people's minds. This is what's going to continue to happen. There's going to be more attention. The infrastructure of the modern day card world, which I did not come from, is predicated on the grading, on the trust, and it's going to be extremely interesting to watch that play out. You know, I, I think there's so many things that are happening, but in its most basic form, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks, whether it's anything, if you can sense a substantial growth in demand potentially happening, things happen. I, I mean, listen, I actually, predicting, and I've been plenty wrong, I actually think we're in the beginning parts of the next junk wax era because there's more demand and the companies will create more product and when the demand subsides, like any cycle, that will become vulnerable. The debate of what happens with one-of-ones and autos and things of that nature that we didn't have back then, that's an interesting debate. What I think we've all learned, because I'm sure a lot of people unlike me, have stayed in the hobby the whole time and haven't come in and out at different times, I think what's really interesting is the classics always play, right? Even, you know, one of the things I asked Jason when I was first getting in, I was trying to gather as much information as possible, was like, hey, tell me what happened during the 09 economic crisis. Tell me what happened during the 01, 9, 11, that cool thing. Some of the things that I missed. And I did a lot of my own homework. And it's fascinating to me. Because my big thing to a lot of kids who follow me now, a lot of people follow me, are like, hey, I'm going to go into cards. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. The amount of money that you can lose in this industry is scary. You have to really understand what you're doing. This is not just all nirvana. Yes, there's going to be some demand. But I was fascinated because for me, sports cards is the first thing that goes if you have a bad economy. Like, you know, I'm worried about homes and cars. Cards? Forget it. But I was surprised that the tippy top, call it that top 5, 10%, I was stunned. And I did a lot of work on this. How strong they sat during that era. And that just goes down to the limited nature of it. A lot of my current sports card thesis is on that. I think the oddball cards... You know, Converse this, Wheaties that, you know, just some of that, you know. I'm literally walking here. We had to stop five times, and I think we made four or five purchases on the way. I mean, every booth, extra 20 minutes to walk 100 feet. I'm here to buy. You know, and I, and I think, and I'm here to buy things that I think will go up. And for me, the things that go up are the classics and icons, the players that you think become Hall of Famers, and that's just the interesting bet. But the one, you know, this is just fun fodder. I could be totally wrong on this. I, I, I'd be scared to put anything more than calling this a guess. But I am fascinated by the oddball cards. The cards that were made by not the iconic companies 
of iconic players is really intriguing. So that's one thing that's on my mind trying to think about things to talk about. So I have a, I have a question actually for you since your, your son is here. He is how old? He's six and three quarters. My daughter is six and three quarters. So Empire <laughs> building. Empire building. Is, uh, you know, when I was, I actually started collecting cards almost around that same age, but in, in that year, in 1985, yes. uh, you could get into trading cards for, for 20 bucks, for 30 bucks. That, yeah. You know, that my, if you're a, a seven-year-old kid with one year 30 bucks, what, what are you doing here? You buy something. What do, what, I don't know, what do you recommend for, for, for him? I would buy... Deer and Fox raw cards because I think he's going to be a superstar. And so you buy him for three bucks a piece. And I mean, my best friend in the world, Brandon Warnicky, who runs my wine business now, is here with me. And when we were 14, like making 100, 200 bucks in a mall or a fire station was enormous. He just watched me buy my son more you know, expensive boxes in two minutes than we probably bought in six months. And you know, we grinded. We had 20, I mean, we both started with 20 bucks. Like that, you know, we grinded. What do you do? You, make, you better make sure your first $20 bet is a good one, right? You, you better, if you decide it's Pete Alonzo's at $4 base, you better hope they go to eight because 40 bucks is better than 20 bucks and 40 bucks becomes 80 bucks and 80 bucks becomes 160 bucks. Like, I think for a lot of us in this room, you know, just given the nature of the hobby, you know, most people don't roll in at a young age, spending thousands and thousands of dollars. So I think all of us started with a $5 bill and either pulled a good enough card that gave us eight, bu- you know, pulling an $8 Griffey rookie card was a big ROI return for me. You know, my big huge bet on Kenny Lofton changed the course of my financial career. I thought he was gonna be great because I loved him in 1989 NCAA Final Four for Arizona as a point guard, so I decided to be, why I decided that would translate to being a good baseball player, but he, was grossly underrated as a prospect. He got traded from the Astros. I bought thousands and thousands and made a fortune. And by the way, the fact that they gave the Rookie of the Year award to Pat Listash that year is the greatest bullshit of all time. Right? That was ludicrous. I got no comment on that. Uh, but I, I agree a thousand percent. And I get asked the, the inverse question all the time, which is how do you... I want to start selling sneakers, I want to get into it. And there is no way to do that in these other industries. There is nope. no way to take 20, 40 bucks, 60 bucks and get into it and, and turn 40 bucks into 80 bucks. And by the way, there's no way to even really buy inventory if you're not willing to sleep outside of a footlocker for, for three days or something like that. Which I think is the best part of sneakers. The grind, that I respect tremendously, right? I mean, I... It, it's hard. Like, there's, there's no easy way to go to acquire that supply. Like it's, you know, here there's a real market to do that. That's why we're so excited about cards because the grind is, is a lot different for, for those. Yeah. Jason, what got me so excited is when I go to invest in players, I go on eBay, I buy 10 of something for the first two weeks and then I'm out and then I'm buying one a week. The ultimate selling 100 at a time is what makes it extremely exciting yeah. rather than buying one here, two there. I, I, look, for, for us, it's just supply and demand and I just love all the demand that comes in because I do think it's, you make the point around people our age bringing their kids but it's also people our age now coming into more money that you have a little bit more disposable income to maybe put into cards as opposed to... Are you kidding? I mean, the Jerry West PSA 9 rookie card I bought the other day is more money than I spent on cards in six years as a kid. You know, like, yes. I mean, again, do not let this hobby get cool. If it does and Hollywood and Atlanta and New York 
actually start caring and look at it. Look, I think there's, if you look at the way a 45-year-old successful businessman and woman dress today compared to 20 years ago, I think you can see the preview of where I'm going with this. The culture in our society has changed. And I think in the same way that 40 and 50 year olds now dress cool versus wearing suits in the business world, my hot take on that is that sports cards have a deep chance to become art. And when you go to a millionaire's home in 12, 15 years, instead of them showing you a $500,000 piece of art, they're gonna show you, you know, 10, you know, PSA 10 Jordan Fleer rookies that they mounted in their, I, I, I just see it. That's what I think. I'm conscious of time. I don't know if someone's gonna come and take this off. About five, five minutes. About five minutes, okay. okay. I, was, I was gonna say, Gary brought value with who he liked. I mean, I know you're a big grippy over that, huge grippy over that guy. I don't know if you want to talk yeah, about the desk you're doing. That's, that's pretty crazy. Like, this is not, this is not a, as an investment fact. It's the exact inverse. If anyone has any grippy 89 over decks that are torn or ripped off, I'll buy them. <laughs> uh, um, but I, I built a, a desk in my office that holds 280 cards in the desk on top. And I'm trying to fill them all with 89 upper deck grippies, but I can't, I can't buy them cheap enough. I, I think I'm at about 170, so I need about 110 more. Um, yeah, there's nothing to do with you. You're taking donations, right? Yeah, taking donations of, of, of dog shit groupies. I think Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, sucks. <laughs> Just trying to think of things that might bring value. I think a lot of people are going to... Sam Darnold is going to be phenomenal. On the record. It's a little caveat. I think, uh, I'm just trying to think of some hot takes. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time looking at soccer. I think when, you know, one of the things that people are not talking about in the sports card world is the global nature of it. Uh, one of the natures of why I spend a lot of time in social media, I spend a ton of time looking at WeChat and Line and other platforms in China. The, the brewing demand in China around sports cards, obviously specifically with basketball and soccer, I think really changes the dynamics. The internet makes this global. So I think soccer is something that, you know, I'm not passionate about it enough. I really started enjoying the World Cup, but I'm just not all the way there. But Tyler, who works with me, is deeply passionate. He, he made a fortune on Women's World Cup. It was fun to watch on the side. But I think soccer is an interesting bet. Um, and, you know, it's something I'm thinking about. I agree. I think soccer, I don't know if it's going to be a year from now or five years, but if the prices are going to go like this and then everyone's going to get on board and like this, I mean. I think, I think if you look at the data, I think an enormous amount of people are going to lose a lot of money on baseball prospects. You know, we're getting in so early in their careers at such high prices. We're, we're spending two, three, four hundred dollars on Bowman rookies of kids who are 17 years old. This is not the baseball card era I grew up in when these guys are actually entering the league and there's a lot more data around them. So the math around prospecting, though, could be ridiculously huge if you hit early and right. So one of the things I'm trying to figure out is how do I go completely counter to the prospects that everybody likes that are 18, 19, and 20? And how do I find somebody that people don't like as much and try to, you know, that would be more fun because I can get in at such a lower cost. I think, 
I think an enormous amount of money is gonna be lost on premium prospects. They're just too young, they're too far away. The, if you look at the math of that success rate, it's gonna be bad and there's a ton of money being poured in. So that's another thing I'm thinking about, which I might or might not be right about. Two minutes left. Honestly, my, Tyler, what I, booth I'm am I? What booth? For me, like having grown up in this and being such a uh, big part of my life, and, and as an entrepreneur, uh, it's just it's amazing. Uh, it's just so amazing to see how far it's changed and, and where it's coming. And we're just just happy to be here. So thank you all for coming here. And uh, come check us out at booth three sixteen. I'm three oh nine. Is it three oh nine? Three oh nine. Buying stuff. I'm also interested in pack poker. I don't know how they do it these days, but we did highest number in the back. Uh, so. Vintagebreaks.com for the pack poker. I'm looking to gamble. Vintagebreaks.com. Love to meet all of you. Have a great time. Enjoy the 40th. Thank you all. You're welcome. Thanks, guys, for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you haven't told your friends it's the best podcast.